It's so good to celebrate, isn't it? Well, tonight, uh, as I prayed before, uh, Jeremy is going to be sharing the Word of God. So, Jeremy, why don't you come up, and we'll take a minute and pray with you. Let's bow our heads. Father, we are grateful for this night. Lord, we thank you for this time of preparation. Hearing the word, Lord God, and just celebrating a song. And God, we just pray your peace be upon Jeremy, that your words be his words, Lord God. And Father, we just want to hear truth from your word this night. And we trust you, Lord. We trust what you do in our hearts and our lives. And we thank you for this opportunity, Lord, to learn more about you and be more like you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Hello, everybody. <laughs> uh, can you guys hear me okay? Good? All right. <laughs> no? Okay. It is? I figure. <laughs> well, people say that my voice projects, so. <laughs> um, but I guess I'll just start off anyways. Um, you know, I wanted to first share a little bit about myself and, you know, uh, my testimony. Um, so, you know, I've, I've grown up and you, what you could say a Christian home, you know, I didn't go uh, to church all the time. Um, but, you know, I grew up in uh, a home where, you know, we, we would thank the Lord for, for everything. And, you know, I, I grew up understanding, you know, that Jesus was God. Um, and, um, you know, when I was, I would say the first uh, encounter that I had from God was when I was 15. Um, and, you know, I went to like this uh, summer camp, this Christian summer camp, basically. And um, it was a four-day event where it was basically, you know, you go, you there's a morning service, and then you kind of play sports, and then lunch, and then there's like an evening service. Um, and I just remember, um, you know, at the time, you know, like I said, I understood that Jesus was God. I understood all that, but um, I was sorry for my, my sins. And uh, I just remember um, when I was that age, you know, thinking uh, on the fourth night of that evening service, you know, just really being sorry for my sin and just understanding like the weight of my sin. And, and so, um, you know, as I'm praying and, you know, I was pretty much crying, um, my cousin who at the same age, um, what, uh, he, he basically was sitting next to me like on the bench and, and he turned to me and he, and he, he said to me, you know, he said, um, basically God spoke through him and said, Jeremy, I want you to know that I love you and that I'm real. And, and I, I want you to, to know, um, that I see that you're weeping and I want you to become a pastor. And so, from that moment on, I always just like I, I knew it was I knew it was God because number one, um, the vocabulary that was used wasn't some something that a 15 year old would say. The, 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 my cousin was only 15 like me, and so the, the the vocabulary just it didn't you know. I, and so I knew at that point that God truly exists, even though I already had I knew that was uh, the first mark. And so um, so you know, he, he specifically said that he saw that I was weeping. And so I understood, you know, that I was, you know, sin. I, ha I mean, I had sin in me. So, you know, fast forward some time um, to, to, to basically um, 2017, uh, where I was searching for, you know, how indeed we get saved. And um, so I, I basically was praying to God, you know, I was praying, God, you know, I I know that you're Lord, and I know that you are the Savior of the world, but I just wasn't sure about the understanding of what happens if you sin again. What happens if you, you know, you, you, you're, you believe in Jesus, you believe in what he did on the cross, but what if you sin? And so I remember thinking, like, let me try to sin less, and let me try to, you know, and I knew that I would just, obviously, you know, sin would happen again. And so uh, I kept studying the word and ch kept trying to understand this uh, the salvation. And so um, I was invited to like a, a, a seminar at this church in Lodi. And um, it was a friend of mine. And it was a five-day kind of Bible seminar thing. 
And I remember, um, you know, it was just basically about who God was and all that. And then it led into the, the bad news first, and then it, it got into uh, understanding, you know, the gravity of sin. And then I finally understood it, that you're saved by grace through faith. And, you know, even if you sin tomorrow or the next day, it's not that God doesn't know that you're going to sin. He still saves you from that. So, um, you know, and then, uh, uh, so I, I was so happy from the moment I understood salvation. And, and so I would say, you know, maybe that was the day that I got saved, uh, which was September 15th, 2017, which was the day before my 26th birthday. So I was still 25, approaching 26. And I just remember that day so vividly uh, because on the way home, I was driving and I was just, it was like the burden had been lifted. I understood that you were saved by faith and not of works. And so um, on the way home, I just remember thinking, you know, I was just so grateful and thankful. And I'm like, wow, I got to share this information. You know, I got to share this good news. And so, uh, but on the way home, I saw like five different vehicles in front of me that, sh- that showed um, there, was, there was one vehicle that had just the cross, another vehicle that saw, said Jesus loves you, another vehicle with like that Jesus fish symbol, another vehicle, you know, so basically five different vehicles. And I just was kind of like, wow, God, you didn't even have to do that, but you did it. And I was like, so thankful because he just overjoyed me. And the night before I had that understanding of salvation, um, I had a dream and it said, um, it, it was like I was uh, up in upstate New York near where my dad used to live. And we were in Piermont. Maybe you guys are familiar with that area. And I was just hanging out, you know, with the family. And I just remember at the end of the dream and it said, um, find out tonight at eight on how to get caught up in the air. And so I was just like, you know, the next day is the fifth and final day of when I understood salvation. I was just like, you know, wow, like I had this dream and, you know, I, it was just reassurance, you know, that's what God does sometimes. And, and then, um, you know, fast forward to 2019, uh, I met my lovely wife, Giselle, and uh, she, we, you know, we, we kicked off and, and she told me about this church. Um, we were talking, you know, back and forth. She told me about like the sound doctrine, and I was just like, you know, I'm all about that. Um, so, you know, eventually I became a member here in, um, in uh, I believe it was early 2020. So I've been a member here for about two years, and uh, I've been uh, serving uh, in, the, um, in, the, in the Sunday school ministry for, I believe, a little over a year now. Um, so I've been just, you know, I'm trying to get involved, and, and you know, I've been, I know, I understand uh, that Pastor Frankie just doesn't let anybody um, preach or anything, you know. So I was very thankful to him, I'm, and I'm most, in, uh, most and foremost uh, thankful to God. I'm thankful f- uh, for Jesus for this opportunity, um, and I thank um, you know everybody who has supported me. And um, and I just want to give all the glory to God, and I just want to um, just open up in prayer um, as we move on to the message, which is the the bad news, the good news. Uh, and what to do with it. So, uh, Father God, Lord, we just thank you so much for this time together. We thank you, God, for just being able to uh, hear your word and proclaim it, Lord. We thank you, God, for what you did on the cross to save us, Lord, and we just are grateful to you, Lord. We know that it is you alone who saves. It is not us, Lord. It is, it is you alone who, Lord, drives us to the cross Lord, what you did on the cross. And we thank you, God. And we just pray that you can open our ears and open our hearts. Lord, soften them up so that we may be able to just retrieve, receive this word. And Lord, we just thank you in all all you and and your power alone. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, So the, the title of the message, again, the bad news and the good news and what to do with it. Um, So we're gonna start with Romans 3, 9, and uh, so we're going to be going to, I guess if you want to stand for the reading of the word. So first, when it comes to salvation, we must understand the bad news. Uh, so Romans nine, uh, 3, 9, starting there. What then? Are we better than they? Not at all. For we have previously charged both Jews and Greeks, that they are all under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. 
They have all turned aside. They have together become unprofitable. There is none who does good, no, not one. Their throat is an open tomb. With their tongues they have practiced deceit, the poison of asps, which is uh, a, a type of snake, is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways, and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Uh, so I guess you guys could take a seat um, and... I uh, just wanted to, I guess, start there. Um, so we have to first understand uh, the, that nobody is righteous when it comes to the understanding of, uh, of God and, and His righteousness, how, how He sees the world. Nobody. He says, nobody, um, none is righteous, no, not one. And he goes on to talk about in verse 13, their throat is an open tomb. I mean, that basically means you're speaking deadness. You're not speaking life into people. Um, you know, and we all have to come to understand that, you know, no matter who you are, it says both Jews and Greek. That means Gentiles and uh, Greeks alike. Um, so we have to first understand that. And, and so going further into what, what it is uh, that, that we are basically... What, what we have to understand with, with the seriousness of, of sin is that uh, in Revelations 20.10, um, the devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Uh, so, you know, we have to understand that Satan, he's the deceiver. And he blinds people's eyes. And so we must understand that he is going to be cast into the lake of fire forever and ever. There's, there's many different doctrines and, and, and different churches who believe that, you know, you're just obliterated and that you don't exist. But here it's saying that it's very clear that it says, uh, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever, which means that there is a certain level of understanding that it's forever. It's not that, you know, you're in there for a few seconds, you're in there for a few years, a few decades. It's actually forever and ever. And when we see in Matthew 25, 41, then he will say to those on the left hand, depart from me, you cursed into the everlasting fire pre pre prepared for the devil and his angels. So we, we, we see that, you know, we're going into that same if, 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 if we are lost, we are going into that same destination. That destination is the same, which is to be, uh, which is into the everlasting. Everlasting is forever. So there's no question whether or not if it's, you know, you know, purgatory for a few years and then you, you know, you, you basically are, you work your way back up into heaven. It's just you're there forever and ever, unfortunately, which, you know, but we must understand the gravity of this. If we don't understand that, then you won't care to be saved. You won't care to want to have um, an understanding of salvation. And so, you know, it, well, what if we try to count on our work? So if you look at Matthew seven twenty-one to 23, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work in iniquity. So as you can see, they're relying on their wonderful works. If that's what you're doing, then you know, you're not going to make it. And so we need to understand that this is an example of how he said, you know, depart from me, ye that work in iniquity. And he says, the key thing here is that I never knew you. And it doesn't say, I only knew you for a day. It doesn't say, I knew you for, you know, between 20, uh, 2005 to 2006, then you fell off. It says, I never knew you. So um, Isaiah 64, 6, but we are all as unclean thing and all our righteousness are as filthy rags and we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us. So we can see here in Isaiah, 
he is saying that we're all this way. We're all as fil uh, filthy rags. So we must understand our condition first. We are all, to God, his standard is high. It's not just, you know, you do good, 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 one bad thing, good, good, good. No, it's, it's everything you do um, is bad to him. You know, it's as filthy rags, it says, all our righteousness. That's basically saying all the good things that you might do, right? Um, but then we must understand that, so that's the gravity of sin. We understand the gravity of sin and our eternal destination um, but then we must understand who God is, that he is a holy God. He unfortunately does not allow, or fortunately actually, he does not allow for sin to be within his domain. He doesn't allow even 1% of sin. So you can see in Habakkuk 1.13, you are of pure eyes than to behold evil and cannot look on wickedness. He doesn't like it. Uh, and if you can see Hebrews 7.26, for such a high priest, the high priest being Jesus, was fitting for us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and has become higher than the heavens. So you can see here how he is undefiled, and he is separate from sinners. Sinners don't go to heaven. And that, whatever sin, they, it doesn't come with you. And it says that has become higher than the heavens. So he's already in, back in heaven, you know. And obviously, Jesus has... has, has uh, been on the right hand of God the Father. God the Father, the Holy Spirit, and Jesus, they are one. But you can see here that he is separate from sinners. And so I want to give an example of his holiness. In Exodus 34, 29 to 35, we can see um, an archetype. Uh, now, uh, verse 29 now it was so when Moses came down from Mount Sinai and the two tablets of the testimony were in Moses, Moses' hand, when he came down from the mountain that Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone while he talked with him, being God. So when Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone, it shined. And they were afraid to come near him. Then Moses called to them, and Aaron and all the rulers of the congregation returned to him. And Moses talked with them. Afterward, all the children of Israel came near. And he gave them as commandments all that the Lord had spoken with them on Mount Sinai. So as you can see, he's, coming, he, he's just bringing down the Ten Commandments. His face is shining because the Lord you can see that there's a reflection of his glory. And when Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil on his face. But whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he, took, he, he would take the veil off until he came out. And he would come out and speak to the children of Israel whatever he had been uh, commanded and whenever the children of Israel saw the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face shone, then Moses would put the veil on his face again until he went in to speak with him, him being God. So as you can see here, the holiness of God is being reflected upon uh, uh, on, on Moses. And we can see how he needed to put this veil on because you can see in um, in the earlier verse where he, they're saying that they were, in verse 30, they're saying that they were afraid to come near him. So how much more afraid could they be when they actually see God in person? You know, there's, there's, there's a level of holiness here. And, but obviously it's not that Moses is holy. It's just a mere reflection of, there's basically um, remnants of God's holiness that is being reflected here. Um, so, and so we have to understand that, you know, that God is holy and he does not allow even 1% of sin into his domain. There's not one person that can enter into heaven with any amount of sin. That means everybody, we, we all know that everybody sins, nobody's perfect, but we have to come to this understanding. We're all sinners, but how is it that we can get saved? How is it that we are able to uh, retrieve this righteousness? So no, step one would be repentance. 
So we're going to talk about here uh, verse 6 in 2 Corinthians uh, 7, 6 through 10. Nevertheless, God that comforteth those that are cast down comforted us by the coming of Titus. And not by his coming only, but by the consolation wherewith he was com com uh, comforted in you. So you can see how he comforts and he is also the comforted because you could see he's in you. So when, you, when, when he told us your earnest desire, your mourning, your fervent mind toward me, so that I rejoice the more. For though I made you sorry with a letter, I do not repent. Though I did repent, for I perceive that the same epistle hath made you sorry, though it were but for a season. Now I rejoice not that ye were made sorry, but that ye sorrowed to repentance. For ye were made sorry after a godly manner, that ye might receive damage by us in nothing." For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. So we have to understand here um, that God comforts those who understand the gravity of sin. We have to understand that, that level, that God is holy. He doesn't allow any sin into his domain. It's not you do 1% of the work and he does 99. He does 100% of the work. And we have to understand that he is also the comforter. And he comforts you in your understanding of sin. Um, and also, if you look at verse 10, for godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of. I believe that when you get saved, you don't continually throughout your life just, God, I sinned, save me again, save me again. No, it's you repent once for salvation, and when you repent, you're saved from your past, present, and future sins. Um, and so you can see how, you know, for godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. If you're uh, the sorrow of the world, that leads to misery. But we have to understand the grief aspect of our sin. So as we move on into what type of repentance is this, it says um, for godly sorrow. So, I mean... There's, there's a couple of verses in the Bible that talk about where God repents. And so if you look in Genesis 6, 5 through 6, and God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every uh, imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Well, these people, you know, obviously Pastor Frank, I don't know if you guys were here in the uh, last weekend, but he talked about, you know, the, the Nephilim and, and the incursion of, of um, the the fallen angels, which intermingled with people, which created giants. Um, but he's also talking about men's hearts here because um, you can see that he said that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the, the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Now, you might say, you know, obviously at this point, there was like no, there was no saving and that's kind of, because if it's evil only continually, you may think, oh, well, I know I have evil thoughts, but this is evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he made man on the earth and it grieved him at his heart. So when you look at that, it, when we look at repentance, we understand that repentance is um, an understanding that you are sorry. And you can see that, and it grieved him at his heart. And you'll see that's basically what you need to understand. When you repent, you don't just do it and say, God, forgive me. I'm, I'm, you know, I did what I did. And, you know, you, you, you have to understand the gravity of your sin. You have to understand the gravity of your nature of sin. Uh, and so there's another part in Exodus three, uh, 32, 8 through 14. They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. They have made them a molten calf. And have worshipped it, and have sacrificed thereunto, and said, These be thy gods, I, uh, O Israel, which have brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. So when Moses came back with the Ten Commandments, these people were, they kind of didn't want to wait for Moses. There, there, was a, there was a period of, I believe it was like 40 days, and he 
Uh, they, they were like, oh, let's just build something so that we can worship. And the Lord, verse 9, and the Lord said unto Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. Now, therefore, let me alone that my wrath may wax hot against them, and that I may consume them, and I will make of thee a great nation. And Moses besought the Lord his God and said, Lord, why doeth thy wrath wax hot against thy people, which thou hast brought forth out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? So he's saying, God, why are you, doing, why are you mad at these people? When you've taken them out of Egypt, uh, and he's saying, wherefore should the Egyptians speak and say, for mischief did he bring them out, to slay them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from thy fierce wrath and repent of this evil against thy people. So he's basically saying, God, the Egyptians are going to think that you brought them out for no reason. You're just going to kill them out in in the mountains here. And so... Um, And then you see where, in verse 13, Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, thy servants, to whom thou swearest by thine own self, and said unto them, I will multiply your seed as the stars of heaven, and all this land that I have spoken of will I give unto your seed, and, and they shall inherit it forever. And the Lord repented of the evil which he thought to do unto his people. So you can see that this is another verse where it's showing godly sorrow because he, God, he obviously God doesn't need to repent of his sin. He's not, he, there's no sin in God. There's no sin whatsoever in God. But you understand that he can change his mind. It, there's, yes, there's, there's, no, there's, there's no sin in God whatsoever. And that's how, you know, obviously when it comes to Jesus, that's how he pays for our, our, our sins is through his blameless, sinless life. But we, have, we understand that it's a change of mind. And he also remembered that he made this promise to the, to, the, uh, to the Israelites. We understand that he made this promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. So we have to just understand that this is the type of repentance that we look for is godly sorrow, which leadeth to repentance, to salvation. That's how you get saved, is to understand the gravity of your sin. You're, you're in, you understand, you want to change your mind on, on, on who, on, on, on your sin, and then understand that you need to turn to God. So the good news goes on from there. Romans ten nine through 13, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So we can see here, how do we get saved? We confess with our mouth, and it's just not just, you know, you saying it. You have to believe it in your heart, too. Believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, and you will be saved. And so we understand that, you know, we have to kind of get to that understanding, well, I'm a sinner, because you can't really get saved if you don't understand what you're, who you are, what you're, your sin nature. Um, so first understand that you are a sinner, and you repent you, you change your mind on the, the fact that you, you are a sinner and that you are sorry, you are sorrowful for the fact that you're a sinner and that you, you are saved by what Jesus did on the cross because it's not just, you know, you're saved by, by what, that, that Jesus is Lord, but you're saved that, that he died on the cross for your sin. You, you're saved by the fact that he um, believed, the, believed that God has raised him from the dead so you have to understand that he is God and that he was raised from the dead. So that, those are all the aspects that we have to understand when it comes to salvation. And so um, after this, Jesus knowing that all, uh, John nineteen twenty eight to 30, after this, Jesus knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, saith, saith I thirst. Now, there was 
set a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled a sponge with vinegar and put it upon hyssop and put it to his mouth. When Jesus, therefore, had received the vinegar, he said, it is finished, and he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. So we can see when Jesus was laying on the cross for the, the, those six hours, when he took the sin, because number one, we have to understand that we're sinners, right? And, and the only reason he went to the cross is because he needed to atone for our sin. So we have to understand that God, when he's on his throne, he doesn't allow sin to enter into his domain. How does he allow access to him? It's through Jesus and what he did. And obviously, you know, throughout the Old Testament, you're seeing examples of them sacrificing bulls and goats and whatnot, but it is the final sacrifice of Jesus where he says it is finished. He finished the work. He finished that work of salvation. And, and we understand also, I mean, if, if you guys are familiar with Abraham's bosom, um, the saints of the Old Testament didn't even have access to the he heaven just yet because Jesus, Jesus hadn't fulfilled the, the, um, the work. He hadn't fulfilled what he had to do on the cross. Even though they were in paradise, uh, there was no access to heaven until Jesus did what he had to do on the cross. And that's the seriousness of heaven, or rather his domain. He, he cannot allow any sort of sin into his grounds, into his, uh, into his dimension, you could say, but, or into his uh, home. Um, and so, moving on to Romans, oh, and one last thing, you can see here, maybe you guys have been, uh, have seen somebody pass away in front of you, maybe you've seen a, lo a loved one pass away in front of you, and they might, you know, they, they might, they obviously would die, and, and, and their whole, their spirit, they go to either heaven or hell, but you can see that in the last verse, it says, and gave up the ghost. So he gave it up. It wasn't that he died when, when it happened. He gave it up. He gave up the ghost. So it, it was his doing when he would die. For six hours, he would be on that cross. It was at that specific time, uh, after the three and a half years of his preaching uh, on earth and, and proclaiming the, the good news, it was at that point in time. He timed it to be in that point in time. And obviously, God, he has his own timing uh, as to when things should be. And again, he gave up the spirit. It wasn't that he died and that was when his blood st stopped, you know. Of course, he was bleeding and, and the blood is what saves us. But he, he made the decision on when to die. He gave up the spirit. Romans 3, 21 to 31. So we started with Romans 3 on the earlier verses. Now we're moving on to the latter verses. But now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God though, uh, through faith in Jesus Christ to all and all on, on all who believe. That means everybody. It's not just, you know, select people, not just a select um, culture. It's, it's everybody who chooses to believe. For there is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ. So what does that say right there? Freely, that means that there's, it, that's, we're saved by His grace. It's freely from anything else. And so, um, 20, verse 25, whom God set forth as a propitiation by His blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness, because in his forbearance, God ha had passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness, and he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So you could see how um, it was basically a substitute. He was the substitute for you uh, for, 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 for being penalized for all the sins that you may have ever committed, what you, what you will ever commit. He is that, that person that takes that sin, and the propitiation means he takes your place. Um, and so, and it says that anybody on verse 26, that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So if you have faith in what Jesus did on the cross, you have faith that he took your punishment, 
you will be saved. Where is boasting then? It is excluded by what law? Of works? Nay, but of the law of faith. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law, or is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also the God of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also, since there is one God who will justify the circum- uh, circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. Do we then make void the law through faith? Certainly not. On the contrary, we establish the law. So you can see that in verse 30, since there is one God who will justify the, un- uh, the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. Um, so circumcision of the Holy Spirit. We're circum- our flesh is circumcised. There's a cutoff between our flesh and our spirit. Our spirit is saved. The flesh is weak. You may still sin, but he circumcised you from your flesh by faith and the, cir- uh, the uncircumcised through faith. And then obviously, do we then make void of the law through faith? Certainly not. On the contrary, we establish the law. So we don't want to just forget and be like, well, um, you know, I'm saved, so I can do whatever we want. And we will go on through there, um, ver- uh, Ephesians 2, 8 to 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man, lest anyone should boast. For he, for, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So you can see that we're saved by grace through faith, not of works. You don't rely on your works to get into heaven. And for we are his workmanship. That means we must understand that we should be doing the good work because how else can we get others saved is by relaying the good news. And so if you're just, you know, somebody who has received the good news, but you're not doing anything, I mean, how good is that? I mean, if you receive the the cure for cancer and you don't want to share that, why wouldn't you? So that's why it's saying, it's yes, you're saved by grace through faith, and it is a gift. A gift means it is given to you, and you don't do anything to deserve it. You, It is a free gift. And he says that, for we are his workmanship. Um, so he works through us. And so... Um, I want to give like one example um, there, there. So back in, I, this is a true story. Back in 2016, there was a kid who would always go to, uh, I believe it was Walmart, and he would always play the Nintendo Wii. And for months on end, every day, he would, he would basically play this game. And I think it was maybe Super Smash Brothers, if you guys are familiar with that game. But he would continually play this game. Every day he would show up. And then eventually the employees caught wind and they said, you know, this kid's there every day. Um, Let's go buy it for him. How about that? So they pitched money together. They actually bought the Nintendo Wii and the game for him. And his reaction was, you know, a little bit like taken aback. And and he thought, well, you know, if I I take this and if I walk out of the store, you guys are probably going to call the cops on me. You guys are going to arrest me. He was unsure on whether or not this was even bought. He, they were just trying to give it to him, and they thought maybe that he was trying to get rid of them. But we understand that he had, the, the, the employees, when they bought it, he, they had the receipt. And so when they, give, they gave him the receipt, the receipt was the proof. And so when we look on that salvation, the receipt is in the Bible. The Bible is the receipt. That's the proof. The proof is that you need something to show that you're bought, right? And the proof is in the Bible. The Bible shows you, if you're truly under, trying to understand truth, if you're, tr- if you're a truth seeker, because when I was looking for salvation, uh, when I was trying to understand, God, how do I get saved? You know, do, if, what if I sin three times, uh, 400 times? What's the limit, you know? Um, it's in the receipt. It's in the Bible, uh, Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So we have to see that receipt. And you're not going to be able to really, maybe, maybe, maybe you, of course, there are people who get saved without reading the Bible, but you got to get into it to see whether or not these things are true. Like the Bereans, they, they check to see whether these things are true. So we have to first come to that 
understanding, if you really want to know if it's true or not, study the Bible and see that the, that, that, that bought, we, we, are, we are bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. We are, and so that proof is the, is the Bible. That's the, the proof. That kid was able to get out of Walmart free of cost because it had been paid, not of his own money, not of his own, uh, his own works. He didn't work at Walmart for a few days and then eventually, no, it was by the free gift of what the employees decided to do. It is the free gift of what Jesus did, not of our own selves. So we have to come to that understanding that it's a free gift. And so uh, Galatians 3.22-28 but the scripture has concluded all, uh, concluded all under sin that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. But before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up unto the faith, which should afterwards be revealed. Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ that we might be justified by faith. But after that faith is come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster, for ye are all the children of God by faith in, Jesus, in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for ye are all one in, G in Christ Jesus. Uh, so... When I, taking back to back, uh, when I understood salvation, when I got saved, um, I actually, like I said before, I was trying to like try to live a better life. I was understanding the sins. I understood the laws. I understood that. But that's the schoolmaster. We must understand first that, that law. We must understand what are, what are we uh, transgressing upon. And then we come to faith. If you just come to faith without understanding your transgressions, how is it that you can really come to that conclusion of being or wanting to be saved? We have to understand that, uh, that level of, of, of uh, sin, how we're transgressing against a holy God. Uh, so moving on to uh, Romans five eighteen to 21. Therefore, as by the offense of one Judgment came upon all men to condemnation, and that one would be Adam. Even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So because of Adam and, and you know, Adam sinning, we were all made sinners. We're born into sin. You can, you can, uh, you can have, let's just say, a baby, a, a baby and the baby is one or two, and then eventually, you might never lie to your baby ever, but eventually that baby will lie. For instance, you say, hey, don't take those cookies from the cookie jar, and then they take it. You never taught them to lie. You never lied in front of them, but they, in their nature, your nature is, is already in sin. Obviously, the baby is not condemned. There's, a, there's, there's, um, there's a, an age of, of accountability, but after a certain age, we're accountable. I don't know that age, but some people say there it's between you know eight and twenty. But um, whatever that age may be, I think it's God that determines whatever that that time that you're okay. You're now accountable for what you're doing. You understand that you're doing wrong, um, so we must understand that that we're already born into the sin nature. It's not an excuse to say, "Well, I was born this way." I was born this way, you know, so that's not an excuse to say, well, why is it that I was born this way then? Why is it that I, I, I'm this way where I maybe lust or where maybe I, I, you know, I like to steal some things here and there, you know, I, that's just the way I was. I never, nobody taught me that. I just, I just like doing it, but we're born into that sin nature. And so, uh, moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abounds. So your sin abounds, but his grace abounds much more. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. So now we understand that, we're, that if you come to this understanding that you're saved by grace through faith, what do we do with that information? Yes, you're saved, so what can we do? 
here are some things that we can do as people in the body of Christ. Let uh, Roman, uh, sorry, Ephesians four twenty nine through thirty two. Let no cor- uh, corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. So it's basically saying, you know, don't talk bad to people. Don't, um, you know, don't communicate evil things to people. We want to do good and edify, um, and it, that it would minister grace. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. I believe that if you truly have, if you have truly believed on Jesus Christ for your salvation, and I'm not talking about you, uh, you know, you say, yeah, you know, I believe in God, or yeah, I believe um, that He exists. You have to believe. You have to understand that you have to you have to understand the severity of sin. You have to understand your nature, your sin nature. You have to come to that place of repentance to salvation. We have to understand that Jesus paid the price for our state. It's it's a state that you're in. You're in a state of sin. You're not in a state of of spiritual nature. Uh, so, so but when you do come to that realization, it says, "And grieve not the Holy Spirit." So when you when you get saved, He doesn't want you to grieve Him. If you keep doing things that are against God, you're grieving Him. If you're doing sinful things, like you know, you might be doing uh, something you know you shouldn't be doing, you're grieving Him. Whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Sealed, that word is strong. It means that He's sealed you. That means it's, 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 that's it. You're, you're sealed into the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, uh, uh, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. So it's saying, you know, put away this anger, put away the clamor, the evil speaking, and put on being tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Even So God, obviously Christ was an example. Christ came to this earth to save us. He also came to this earth to be an example. Um, so he came for a reason, and it's, he, he wants that relationship with you. It's not a God that is, is just high in the sky, and you might ask for salvation, and that's it. There is a work in progress. There is a relationship um, <clears throat> there's been many times in my life where I've prayed things and he's answered them. There's sometimes he doesn't pray things. It's usually, you know, yes, no, or you have to wait. Um, and so now we have to understand what if, you know, what is it that our works work toward? Every man's, uh, 1 Corinthians three thirteen through 16, every man's work shall be made manifest for the day shall declare it. Because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. So God, this is the judgment seat of Christ. If you're saved, he's going to test your works. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. So if you do good things in life, you're doing the good work for God, you will receive a reward. But if any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved. So if you're one of those Christians, which, you know, obviously there are people out there who don't really do the good work, you're going to suffer loss. There's going to be a time where you come to Jesus and he said, listen, you're saved, but look at all the, the things that you didn't do for me and you're not, you, you didn't live that life for me. So you're, you can come in, but you could have had all this, you could have had all this. And, and so he's saying that if any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Know ye not that, the, that ye are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. So when you get saved, you are born again. And so we have to understand that there's uh, a, uh, the circumcision of the Spirit and the flesh, and the Spirit dwells within you. And it says, know ye not that you're the temple of God. He dwells within you. You're in, he is now trying to transform you. He transforms you from the inside out. You start to maybe sin less, but you don't become sinless. Um, most, like people that I know from, from before, maybe 2017, they might see a, a big difference. They, I've, I've had people say, hey, yeah, no, he's, he's way different than what he was, from, what, from the way that he was prior to these years. Um, and 
the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. So the Spirit of God dwells within you. He is within you. And so you don't want to uh, grieve the Holy Spirit because you are now an ambassador. You are somebody who is holding Christ within, within that body and you need to be a good example because if you're not setting a good example, then somebody that says, well, that's a Christian, I can do what he does. You know, and so, and then they say, yeah, if he does it, then I'm good. So, and then you're also accountable for your fellow Christians, your fellow uh, people in the congregation. Well, if, if, if they're doing, if he's doing that or if she's doing that, then you're no longer putting a good example. And so that's what it comes down to. And so uh, Revelation 3, 14, 19. Um, so I know that you've probably heard this verse quite a bit, but uh, verse 14, and to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, these things says the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, that you are neither hot, cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say I am rich, I have become wealthy and have need of nothing, and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, and naked. So obviously, these are people who don't need God on a daily basis. They think they're good to go, they, you know, and I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire. And obviously, we know that in the previous verse that he, he tries our works refined in the fire. Every man's work will be tried in the fire. So he's saying, I counsel you to buy me gold refined in the fire that ye may be rich and white garments and that you may be clothed that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed and anoint your eyes with the eye salve that you may see as many as I work, I rebuke and chasten. Or I'm sorry, as, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. So obviously, he's showing that he loves them and he's saying, I rebuke them and I chasten them. Therefore, be zealous and repent. So, you know, um, so when it comes to, down again to, to your salvation, when you get saved, you repent to salvation. And so, but what we should be doing is still keep, like, so when it comes to, let's just say you had a bad day, you didn't do that great for the, for the Lord, and you, 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 let's just say you were uh, being disrespectful towards a family member whatever it might be. And so we should still repent and say, Lord, forgive me, because we have to be in line with his spirit. We want to be in line with what, what he has in store for us. If we're continually straying, then you're just not going to re- re- uh, receive the rewards. And, you're, and, and, and again, it's not about getting rewards. It's about doing it for the love of God. When I got saved, I didn't I didn't want to do good works because I wanted rewards. I did it because I loved my friends, my family, and I did it because God loved me first. It's not about, yes, there is a reward system, and that does show a little bit, that shows God's just nature, because some people can say, well, what about, you know, yeah, he's saying he's saved, and I'm talking about truly saved people, not just people who claim, yeah, I'm I'm a follower of Jesus. People that truly repented of their, uh, for their sin and uh, salvation through Jesus Christ alone, there are people who don't work as much for the kingdom, but they will be, um, they will, their works will be tried. So there still is a, a reward system. There's a, there's a system in which the Lord has um, for these people. And so, so um, going on to the uh, next verse, wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but how much more in my absence and then this is a big one because a lot of people like to say that you have to work for your salvations, but notice how it says work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. It doesn't say work for your salvation because in the very next verse, for it is God with, uh, which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure because God works within you. When you get saved, he works within you. So work out that good work, work out that salvation that you have already attained. It's not work for your salvations, it's work it out. Because you can see in the next verse, for it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do good of his pleasure. So we don't just get saved and that's it, you go home. 
You don't, get, you don't go to heaven. It's now, who else can I bring? When I, when I got saved, I forgot to mention this in my testimony, but when I got saved, the very next day, I, at the time I had worked for a solar company, and um, I basically was, um, I, I, I had an appointment to determine whether or not somebody qualified for solar panels. And I get to the home and I talk to the guy. I'm like, yeah, let me see your electric bill because you have, to so you have to see the electric bill to see if they qualify. They need to spend a certain amount. And also the roof needs to um, be in line with the sun. There can't be trees uh, shadowing. Anyway, uh, so I get there and we're talking for like many minutes. I, I believe it was like close to an hour. And um, we find out that he was never... Um, qualified for the solar program, but um, he lived right next to a church, and, and basically he said, you know, there's this guy who smokes cigarettes, and, and he's the pastor, and, and you, know, you know, he's a hypocrite, you know, he's a hypocrite, and, and, I, and he said, you know, and I said, well, you know, obviously we're, we're not saved by what we do, we're saved by faith in Jesus Christ, and he's just like, I said, do you believe that you, how do you believe that you go to heaven? He's just like, I have to be a good person. I have to be, you know, somebody good. I said, no, that's like, he's like, do you believe? And he's like, well, I believe what the Bible says. And when he said, I believe what the Bible said, I was like, oh, this is great. So you believe what the Bible said, right? And so I shared with him Romans 10, 9, Ephesians 2, 8, and a, a few other verses. And he was just like, oh, wow. And so, so that very next day from when I got saved, I wanted to share that gospel. But if you don't understand that salvation, when, before I got saved, like, yes, I, I knew the Lord, and, or rather, I knew who Jesus was and all this stuff, but I didn't understand the, 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 the order in which God worked. So once I understood that salvation, I was able to share that gift, and, and so um, <clears throat> through, through Jesus. And uh, 2 Thessalonians 2, 13 through 17, but we are bound to give thanks always to, uh, to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the spirit and belief of the truth, whereunto he called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which ye have been taught, whether by word or epistles. It's saying, you know, keep, keep traditions, but obviously biblical traditions. Gathering together is a tradition, tradition. Um, you know, sharing of the, of the bread, um, you know, the communion, that's a tradition. Um, now our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, even our Father, which hath loved us and hath given us everlasting consolation and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish uh, you in every good word and work. So it's, he's, he's telling you comfort your, your hearts for that everlasting consolation and good hope through grace and establish you in every good word and work. So it's saying, yes, you're saved, be comforted, but you should still establish in good work. And this is another example of his comfort, which is the Holy Spirit. And I will, uh, verse uh, John 14, 16 through 18, and I will pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him for he dwelleth in you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. So Jesus is saying that the comforter will will abide with you forever. So the Holy Spirit is the comforter. He's the one that comforts you, and he won't leave you comfortless. And this is my la the last verse. Um, so when it comes to salvation, we have to understand that it's, it's not something that we should put aside because for he says, in an acceptable time I have heard you, and in the day of salvation I have helped you, Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. So if you are coming to terms, okay, God, if you're real, you should do it today because you don't know what happens tomorrow. You know, you under, we all understand that life is fleeting, and so we should come to this sense of urgency because if you don't understand the sense of urgency, then it could always be too late. So understand that 
I like to when I when I like to simplify things because sometimes I don't have a lot of time when I speak to people when it comes to trying to share the gospel. I like to say that it's A B C. A admit that you're a sinner and that there's nothing that you can do to get into heaven. B believe that Jesus died on the cross, that He is God, and that t- He takes our sin and and has uh, basically been the substitute for it, and that He ra- was raised from the dead to to save you. And C, confess that. So A, admit that you're a sinner. Admit that you are not without fault, that you, that you do have fault in you, that, that he is holy and that you, you are in a state of, of, of uh, dis- basically despair. You're in a state of, of, of sin. And then B, be, believe in what Jesus did on the cross to save you. And C, confess that to him. You know, so, so if you haven't, taken Jesus for your salvation, I promise that it would be something that you would not regret, that you would be saved and Jesus would, would basically, he would save you and, and he will comfort you. And I would say get into the word because if you don't, then you're not going to know what to do as a Christian. Be in, involved in a church because obviously it is better to be with like-minded individuals who are, who are following the word. And be a Berean studying the scriptures and Second uh, Timothy 2.16 Study to shew thyself approved unto God, not being ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So we should be somebody who would study to see uh, the, what God has in store. Uh, so I just want to, I guess, close out in prayer. Um, thank you, Lord God, so much for this time. Lord, we thank you, God, for all that you've done. We thank you for your word. And Lord, we praise your name, Lord Jesus. We thank you, God, for um, just allowing your word to be proclaimed, Lord. I pray that the word would be saturated within the hearts of many, Lord, and that if there is people here who have not yet received the good gift, Lord, I pray that you may open their hearts and that they may be able to, uh, Lord, just call out upon your name and, and be saved by you alone, Lord, because it is you alone who saves. It is you alone who, Lord, just uh, brings somebody from a hard heart to a soft heart. We praise you, Lord Jesus, and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.